Hi, Ivy. I've made it out to sea. Thanks again for making sure to pick up my bike from where I stashed it behind my flat. The Peacock is a pretty good ship, but I honestly thought I would have to make it further west before running into something odd. So, when we last left James, he rode his bike off into the night because he was boarding the HMS Peacock. Next day, the HMS Peacock is a merchant vessel, a Elinwick-based Glenick vessel. But let's let's go back to James' apartment. It's the okay. morning, like it's like dawn, sure-ish. What is James's routine, and what is he doing to leave this apartment? I believe he told Ivy that he had even closed out the the lease or whatever it was. Yeah. I think he has left his slightly too vast array of books with a, with a friend, somebody who works at the university who he can rely on taking good care of them while he's gone. He doesn't have a ton else with this sort of era we're talking about. I think the apartment like came with the furniture. <laughs> I think like the bed belongs there, the any sitting area belongs there. and. Anything that he would have brought in, he probably brought in from home, which is not very far away. I think he sits down for a breakfast of maybe just a couple of eggs that he has on the little kitchen table that looks out a window overlooking the harbor. I think uh, off in the distance, he can see the boats, he can see the glint of the waves, and the morning is not super different than his usual morning except that when he goes he has to drop the key off at the next door neighbors so he he stows his bike and starts walking down towards towards the harbor what has james packed for this journey he's got his notebook he's got really not a whole lot he's got his clothing probably uh the jacket on his back the hat that he's wearing a few shirts maybe one extra pair of pants and a couple pairs of socks and underwear. He doesn't know exactly where he'll end up on this journey. The start is clear. The end may not be. Yeah, he's he's sort of prepared. He's got, he's like ready for wilderness too. He's He's got stuff that he might need to survive. He's got matches, a small first aid kit, even some fishing line and hooks. He's got his compass. But the most important thing is the the books that he is, that he writes in. Did he bring any reading materials? I think he brought a, uh, just a little penny novel for the boat. And maybe he'll pick up another one when he gets to Klon. Nice. Yeah, just some, some like, horror, thriller, murder, mystery amalgam. Not great writing, but entertaining. An easy way to pass the time. Yeah. Well, so James is making his way down towards the, the docks and... Elinwick's Harbor, this is what this town is about. It's a large bay that has become littered with dockyards and cranes and ships of all shapes and sizes. And as we've described before, there's a big wide river that pulls from one side of the, the harbor that basically takes all the goods up to the capital. And on the other side of the harbor, are the big seafaring vessels that can go away from the island out into the open sea to do kind of the main trading with. And amongst several of these steel and iron steam liners, basically, is the HMS Peacock. It's a three-stack 
like Smokestack, but it's it's this odd amalgam of a merchant vessel because there are also sails that are a part of it. So it has the rigging, it has a mast in the front for a sail, and then it's got three Smokestacks for the, the engine to drive it, and then it's got another sail in the back. It's not the largest vessel you've ever seen, but it's got some heft to it. And it'll be the largest vessel that James will have ever been on. What what season is this again? We are late summer, I think, okay. at this stage. So I think by the time he's down at, at the at the wharf, his his jacket is over his arm, his sleeves are rolled up, and he's sweating. It is <laughs> he's prepared for adventure, but it's hot. Yeah. The weather around here is it's abundantly pleasant, but yeah. the direct sunlight yeah. is very warm. You get yeah. kind of, as I like to call it, the, the northwest weather, where it's, if you stand in the shade, it's 60 degrees. <laughs> if you are standing in the sun, it's like 90 degrees. Right. And there's like no in between. The air is relatively cool, but still. And yeah. so you get the same thing here. Lots the of- The breeze off the ocean is nice. Yeah. It's, it's cooling. You're sweating only a little bit. It, it's yeah. it's comfortable. It's it's a very pleasant place to hang out. Yeah, and you can see lots of folk from Elinwick, not just the dock workers and all of that, but they come down here as well to you know hear the the bustle of the harbor and lots of kids kind of craning their necks over the railing off of one side, trying to see what's coming off the ships, what what goods have been brought in, that kind of thing. Spotting the peacock, you are ready to board, I guess. Is there anything James needed to do before getting on the boat? I don't think so. He's ready. What's he ready for? Whatever comes next. All right. So the peacock is a steel hole riveted together. Yeah. Large cargo hole in front. But the cranes have to be careful of the, the sail rigging. That's a part of it. Because when it's out at sea, it can save a lot of the fuel by just throwing the sails. Yep. I think... The Peacock itself isn't necessarily known as a passenger vessel. How do you think James went about booking a ticket? I think he probably met somebody at the cantina. He likes to spend time down by the docks because of the sailors that come in and share their stories and their experiences. And having not traveled that far from home, they've always been pretty entertaining for him. So I think he's probably familiar with a couple people who come and go, and maybe one of them mentioned that this boat was heading in a direction that he was interested in going. So maybe they put him in contact with somebody, maybe they're actually a crew member on the boat. Yeah, I think they're the first mate. Uh, what's their name? Arthur. Arthur is first mate. He is average build. He's got a, a beard and a curly mustache. He wears small glasses and always very buttoned up appearance he he always looks nice nice so and arthur basically is authorized to sell you passage on the ship it's not atypical for boats like these to you know bring in a little extra income by bringing on a, a couple of passengers here and there but its primary role is to take large shipments of cargo of goods and materials out to breath which is Klon's capital and do a little trading there. The ship is big enough that it has also, I think one of the things that drew James to it is it can make the trek out to the far west. It's probably the smallest boat that can reliably traverse the waters, but it can go out there and it has before. I think Arthur told you a couple of tales of picking up goods at Klon, one of Klon's many outposts out there. Yeah. 
And so it has a kind of attachment to the far west in that way. Yeah. Where would peacocks live in this large archipelago? So peacock aren't native to Glenick, but for centuries, as far back as anyone can remember, they have been imported by the rich. Yeah. So they are almost synonymous with the island itself. But they originally come from the island Foley, Southern Foley. Okay. So there's probably a crew of 60, we'll say, for this boat and for all the the materials that are on it and for the length of journey here. You can see many of the seafarers loading little smaller bits of cargo and a couple operating the crane and putting some big nets of materials down in the cargo hold. And Arthur is standing at the top of the gang plank on the ship itself, kind of watching the crew load things up. James waves up as he approaches, calls out to him, Hey, Arthur. He, he gives you kind of a nod and then yells out at the, the crew at the crane and it's like, watch it. If you drop that, that's, that's six months pay. And then he kind of gives you a wave to come, come on up. So he uh, goes up the gangplank and makes his way onto the deck towards, towards Arthur. Oh, James, you made it. I'm glad to see you. I was kind of worried. I made it. Not all passengers show up when they're supposed to. Well, you know me. Always on time. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that about you. So as I said at the cantina, the accommodations aren't anything to write home about, but you should find yourself comfortable enough. We're not always taking on passengers, but we do have private cabins. Uh, I'll have one of these guys show you around, and uh, you can make yourself comfortable. We'll get underway a little later this afternoon, once everything's loaded up. All right. Are there any other uh, guests on this voyage? No, no, couldn't say no, we have any others. Passengers a little rare these days. We did pick up some new crewmates. They're a friendly bunch. I'm sure you'll get along just fine. I'm sure I will. He snaps his fingers a couple of times and a younger deckhand, he's probably like 14, comes and waits expectantly for your bag. He hands him his bag. Gee, wow, mister, this is a lot. We had a long trip. All right. And Arthur kind of directs him towards the cabin, and the kid kind of takes off with a bit of a waddle with your bag. I think when we get there, James flicks him a coin, taking his bag back. Thanks for the help. Wow, thanks. He opens the door to the cabin. So it's kind of a larger steel door creaks open. Yeah. And you see a tiny room, even by ship standards, a tiny room. The door almost reaches to the bunk. The bunk is on the far wall. You could definitely step in and like reach out and touch all four walls as you need. There's a little fold-down table in the corner by the door and a little fold-out bench. So you can kind of put them down and have like a little tiny desk that you can write on. There's a little lamp above. Okay. It's going to make sure there was a lamp. It's an oil lamp, but it's attached to the wall. The the reservoir is in a little metal cage, and you can pull the the glass off and light it, and flip back down a cage over it. So it's got it's kind of encased so that it's not going to rock with the boat or potentially break or anything along those lines. Okay. And you have a small circular porthole right above the bed. Does it open? It does. Okay. But it is an ordeal. Yeah. 
It's got one. It's got a big like screw holding it closed. You've got to turn and turn and turn, and then you got to fold the screw back, and then pull. And it, it's all painted over almost rust. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of sticky and and has been out at sea for a good long time. No, I think I'm all set. Oh, oh okay. Uh, what what time are we? Uh, what is it? Launching. Uh, yeah, we'll get underway a little later this afternoon once they've loaded the cargo. I think they said around noon. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for showing me the place. I'm going to settle in. All right. If you need anything else, just let me know. And then he scampers off. And James gets uh, settled in. I think he puts his bag under the little cot and just sits on the bed, getting more used to the waves. Uh. I don't think he's one to get seasick. Yeah. Well, that's important. Yeah. Otherwise, he probably would have just explored the island that he's on. Uh-huh. Although, this is James's first time out to sea, isn't it? Yeah. I imagine he's been on, like, small boats uh-huh. here and there, but but nothing that has gone to a different place at the end of the day. Because, you know, you, you live near water, you, you're going to end up on a boat. I imagine there's a couple of ferries that go around in the harbor, yeah. and there's a little bit of sightseeing that can be done. You got to make me... Roll over resilience check to not be <laughs> barfing this whole time. I mean, I want to, but with your track record of rolling, yeah, I can I can flip a story point for some <laughs> dramamine. For some dramamine, I think we're okay. I, okay. I do think that it's not necessarily a roll, but like the the experience in this cabin is a little bit claustrophobic. The cot itself is just big enough for you to like lay down in, and your bag fits in the corner behind the door and then like the room is full and do you want me to like roll a bible check for best use of the space sure let's do it let's get a dice roll in here today all right how difficult it's probably pretty hard because it's so tiny yeah it is a tiny yeah, we'll just say hard hard check all right so i have two greens and one yellow in in survival i have something what is it okay my survival kit supposed to give me a success advantage i don't okay. know if that comes into play with this sort of thing oh you know what i i think it does is there a little little tiny there's a little tiny book inside that has uh tips for efficient packing i i think there's a there was a little booklet that gave you like some tips and all of that but i think the kit itself the stuff like that it brings is mm-hmm. well packaged yeah for economy of space and so there's okay. already an example there okay i'll take it that is one success, two successes. Two successes. So how does James unpack in this room? The lamp on the wall. He uh, runs one of the fishing lines from that lamp to the porthole, which he then uses to drape the things that he can hang. He has his walking stick, his backpack. I think the backpack fits pretty well underneath the uh, little cot, and he's got the little table set up for easy access for reading and writing. I don't think the little bench or stool that they provide is particularly comfortable, so he has that put away to save some space, and he's just going to use the bed mm. as his as his seat. But yeah, I think the fishing line yeah. in particular was what saved him, and that was in the survival kit. Uh-huh, yeah. So uh, James gets settled in, and there's the sound of seagulls and all of that. Uh, and a horn blows around noon, pretty close. And the HMS Peacock begins to pull away slowly from the dock. 
can hear the engine's low drone on as it gets kind of going. It's a little slow going at first. And then the, the pitch of the engines picks up once you've kind of cleared the, the harbor and out to open sea. I think as the boat clears the harbor, James would head up to the deck to uh, see Glenick uh, in the distance. Yeah, there's a couple of sailors doing the same. Everybody's kind of, there's a, I say everybody, there's a handful of people, you know, more than five, also kind of leaning on the back rail, watching Elinwick Harbor get smaller in the distance. I think he's got his his sketchbook and he does a, a quick sketch of what it looks like from from the distance. You can probably see the, the very distant mountains just on the edge of the, the far horizon. <laughs> I imagine big clouds and like big puffy clouds and bright blue skies. Yeah, the there's a trail of steam coming from the steam stacks as well. Okay. That a big kind of white cloud overhead if you look up. But yeah, let's do a perception or vigilance roll for this okay. sketch as well. What difficulty? Let's make it average. Okay. I don't have anything to argue. That is not a success. That is one threat total. One threat. One of the sailors bumps him in the back and he's just got a big pencil line across the <laughs> the drawing. Yeah, there's a, there's a big burly tall one and a kind of scrawny buddy of his that's like short and scrawny and they're having some kind of argument and they're paying no attention to you and bump right into you and your pencil goes right across the bookmark yeah maybe the pencil even goes flying off the boat i don't think you have enough threats for that he's got other pencils pencils. but yeah it definitely falls out of your hand after Uh ruining your sketch and rolls yeah rolls. he puts a foot on it before it goes right off the edge I don't think he's the sort of person that would say anything to the person who bumped him. He would just go about his business and try to stay away from whatever those two are doing. Yeah, they don't seem to really pay. I don't think they even necessarily noticed that they bumped into anybody. Yeah, they they continue on with their argument a little bit. This thing is itchy. Just shut up and take it. I don't want to. Look, the candy could be anywhere, okay? And they look over their shoulder and kind of up to the side. You know, there's um, an upper deck that is kind of around the middle of the stacks. And they kind of look in that direction of where the, the captain might be. And she's definitely standing up there. Captain Dunn is a mid-30s dark-skinned seafarer with her hair in a big ponytail out the back. And knitted sweater, sipping a cup of coffee or tea or something there's a little steam coming up she leans over are are all of the sailors wearing like turtleneck sweaters uh-huh great some of them have the same toque or beanie that mm-hmm. uh of course brack wears at the the cantina yep i think at this point james would notice that a couple of the people wandering around on deck also are wearing a greenish uniform of well as well Recognizable? He would recognize it as the Kelly Brook Navy. Okay. Interesting, considering this is not a naval ship. It's fairly common knowledge, but it's it's a little bit obscure. Okay. I think upon noticing that, he elbows one of the 
non-arguing sailors and says, what's up with the Navy? Oh, uh, first time out at sea, huh? Well, yeah. Yeah, you, you know how I could tell? How? You don't know who the merchant marines are. Yep. Yeah. Each ship, in order to operate, has to have its own protection. Piracy is not that big a deal, but it's one of the stipulations Klon has because they don't have an army of their own. I don't, I don't know how much of the history you know, but a bit. each of the, the nations has to send troops. Their protection for this leg of the trip, and then they've got to get off where they've wherever Klon stations them next. Okay. Probably here. I think we're heading out far west again. Good. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be sticking around for a good portion of the voyage. My name's James. It's nice to meet you, James. I'm Patty. Good to meet you, Patty. Puts out a hand to shake. It'll shake your hand. So what do you fellas do on this ship when you're out to sea for a couple days? Oh, you know, we try and keep our heads down. You know, want to get the, the captain's attention by being lazy or anything like that. He kind of looks around at a couple of the other sailors. He gives a gives a side glance up to the up to the captain. Is she strict? Uh, no, I, not as bad as, as others. She runs a tight ship, Captain Dunn, but if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, there aren't any troubles. It's really the, the sailors who think that they're on vacation that tend to get into uh, her crosshairs. But yeah, we play cards in the lower decks later. She probably knows about it and pretends not to. But yeah, there's not a whole lot to get up to. It's just nice to be out at sea. Yeah, it is nice out here. So, leans in a little. What sort of interesting cargo are we uh, taking with us? I don't know if you know this, but it's against policy to share the manifest with no, I, the guests. I actually didn't know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you're not supposed to go down there and kind of stick to the upper decks around here. Okay. I mean, you know what they say loose lips sink ships and like i said piracy isn't a big deal but it's still a little bit of a concern so you know, policy is to not necessarily share what's on board makes sense when was the last pirate attack this ship i don't think has ever actually been attacked well that's good yeah but there's the the odd attack here and there i think i heard of a kinwich vessel that went missing a few weeks ago the suspected pirates Whereabouts? You know, Kinwich is to the south of us, and yeah. as they were coming up, they were supposed to be heading to Breath, and they didn't make it. Wow. It's a good thing we're not taking that route today, but I think we might be taking that route at some point in the future. Well, it depends on where it happens. Since they went missing, I mean, I, I guess say that I we'll end up true. on that route when we turn north outside of the harbor. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what pirates are thinking. All the goods, the clon trades, like, what are you going to even do if you get stuff? Uh, anyway. Well, there have to be places where it's harder to get stuff. I'm sure they take it to places off of the, off the beaten path. Yeah. It kind of gives you like a side eye. Re he hadn't considered that before, but it makes complete sense. And now he's wondering why you know about that. Yeah, I guess... It wouldn't be an official port of any kind that they could go to, but I suppose there's right. some ports that aren't There official. have to be pirate ports somewhere. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Where, where do you think Did I mention I was, I'm a former professor? Oh, professor. Well, it's nice to meet you, professor. I uh, worked at the Ulanwick University for, for a while. A little too long. Oh. Studying lots of pirate activity there, professor? A little bit of everything, really. Oh, okay. 
pirates that was just the logical conclusion anyway uh, I, I never had much for that book learning it's not for everybody yeah that's true well i should probably get back to work before yeah i, I don't want to yeah uh, keep you away from from your job don't want you to get in trouble uh, i know we'll be out see you a couple days so i'll probably see you around nice to meet you patty nice meeting you professor i just got a nickname yes you did so there's no like shuffleboard or pool yeah. or anything cruise wise the sailors that were watching Elon Wick slowly kind of leave that part of the ship and wander back, take care of whatever their shift demands of them. Nobody's really given James any instructions, but he imagines that he should probably be somewhere that is out of the way where he won't interfere with anything that's going on. And as much as he would like to be out on the deck, he thinks that that place is probably his room. So I think he heads back below decks and settles in with his trashy novel and time passes pretty uneventfully the rest of the day there's a moment where james is thinking that the ship is going to capsize but that when there's no alarms or anything he realizes it's just making a turn and it's le- it leans a little bit when it does so the lamp in the in the room leans at a like a 45 degree angle yeah and uh, as the sun is setting, he's able to wander into the, the mess in the canteen and get a little bit, bite to eat. Most everybody is quiet and kind of leaves him alone. Which is fine with him. It does get to the evening hours. And probably from having dinner and listening to a couple of conversations, James is able to kind of ascertain that the back deck that he viewed Elon Wick from up to his room it's kind of the open area. There isn't any cargo stored in the back or anything like that. So he can kind of make his way around that way. So he's got a place he can stretch his legs whenever he's feeling cramped in that room. Yeah. As curious as he is about whatever cargo this ship might be holding, he also knows that he is going to be on the ship for a while. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to make any enemies of any of the sailors or the captain. So I think he just sticks to that space. And I think the thing that he notices as well is that he doesn't really see Arthur all that much <laughs> either. That there's a few of the higher ranking sailors like Arthur and the captain and all of that who clearly eat elsewhere. Yeah. And he also doesn't see any more soldiers on top of that. The, the merchant marines apparently have their own section of the ship. He's fine with that too. I think as much as he's had nice conversations at the at the dicey cantina with with arthur the real stories that he really enjoys hearing and some of which he records come from the the sailors the people who work in the engine room the people who come from all the different corners of of glenick Mm -hmm. so is there anything else james would like to do before arriving at breath no, I think he, he just kind of keeps to himself, listens to stories if people want to volunteer them when he asks, and just kind of has a, has a quiet voyage reading a crummy book about a vampire. Nice. I think a couple of nights pass, it's easy to fall into a routine yeah. on the ship, but I'll say probably the, the night before you're supposed to pull into breath stretch your legs you head out to that back deck in the at night 
you, you've noticed that being away and out at sea, you get a good view of the stars. Everything's pretty dark out there. I think he's peaceably done some some sketching of the stars and the pattern of the, the galaxy and any, anything you can see up, up, up above. And I think I would like you to do another vigilance check. Great. The last one was average. What's the difficulty on this one? I think it's average with two setbacks this time. Because it's dark? Because it's dark out. Okay. Can I have a boost? Because though it is dark, this far out with a with a sky full of stars those things are actually a lot brighter than you think they are and i've been i've been like out west where it's the the milky way is bright enough to cast a shadow oh yeah yeah okay so it's dark but there's some some light just not mm-hmm. great light yeah yep. so, some light it's also dark so yeah. people aren't necessarily looking at you that is a success and two advantages success and two advantages none of which came all the the boost and setbacks were all blank okay so you really hear more before you see i told you it's itchy i've gotta take it off you absolutely may not it's not allowed but it's itchy no absolutely not i was just gonna take a breath right over here nobody's gonna see anything i told you harold's gonna get mad if we get caught okay well I can't breathe, so... We're supposed to stay in these at all times. And it's Skinny and the big guy, again, having an argument. Yeah, I think James ducks into a dark corner. So, ducking into a dark corner, you see these guys working their way back towards the the back of the ship. You've been relatively alone out here when you've come out and looked at the stars. As they've left you alone, they have also not really ventured back here. And kind of back up against the, the wall where the, the stacks and the cabins are. The captain's view overhangs that. So Biggs thinks that he's kind of gotten a good hiding spot. And a very peculiar thing happens that James can't necessarily explain. The tall guy reaches up, the brawny guy he reaches up back behind his, his hair like he's scratching his head. And then it's dark and shadowy, you can't really tell, but it looks like his face folds down. And there's kind of a silhouette, and he like scratches his face, you know, like where his face should be. And it looks like the sweater is like hanging down on him, kind of flopping around. The skin sweater. The skin sweater. And then, okay. I just needed to breathe for a second. Put that thing back on right now. And he pulls it back up and stretches and scratches and fluffs his hair. And he says, I don't know how many days of this I can do. Well, we're stuck here until it's done. So suck it up and stop this madness. You're going to get us caught. And then they wander back off towards the cabins. James stays in that dark corner for a little while, trying to collect his, his thoughts, formulate ideas of what he just saw. It was bizarre. It was something unnatural, something strange. I think he starts with maybe feelings of like slight horror and disgust, (laughs) but then moves to try and bring his logical brain into the, into the picture and try and figure out exactly what he, what he witnessed. He thinks back to those wolves that were not shaped 
necessarily like wolves and thinks that maybe he just witnessed something otherworldly like that. He's, I think he's got some investigating to do on this ship tomorrow before they get to port. He waits a little while before heading back in. <laughs> a little long while, I assume. A little long while, yeah. At least a half an hour. <laughs> and heading in, he, he listens around every corner to make sure that he's not passing anybody. <laughs> Lee doesn't hear too much. You aren't on the same level as any of the, the sailors. <laughs> Actually, almost in an eerie way, there's a row of like five or six, you know, doors and cabins and they put you right in the middle and there's nobody in any of them having listened to the last couple of nights. Yeah. And he opens the door to go in that, that creek is extremely loud in the, in the quiet. And I, I imagine relatively dark hallway as well. Yeah. I, I kind of picture it as that creek happens and James heart beats faster than he'd like it to, and then closes the door real quickly. Yeah. Locks it. Uh-huh. So you know that you're going to be arriving at breath in the late afternoon, or late morning, sorry. So there's a couple of hours you can mill about. Yeah. So I think at breakfast, he seeks out one of the sailors that he heard stories from, and maybe it's even Patty, since he had introduced himself previously. I think he's got some questions. Hey, Patty, the... He slides into the bench and puts his, his plate down, his, his bowl of some, some sort of porridge mm-hmm. next to next to Patty. Sleep well? Yeah, morning. Not as well as any night at sea. Waves rock you, you know, like being in a cradle. It's awfully quiet last night, wasn't it? It's quiet most of the time. Yeah. So, do you know anybody on this ship named Harold? Harold. He tries to gauge his reaction to hearing Harold. No, I don't know any Harold. Huh. Do you know those two... Tries to look around the room. Actually, when, when did you come aboard the ship? When, how long have you been a member of the crew? Oh, I've been with the Peacock, uh, well, maybe the last 10 years. Wow. Been a long time, yeah. You from Elinwick? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah? What part of town? Oh, just off the harbor. I grew up just outside of town and on uh, north side. Ah, oh, a little fancier over there. You could say that, I guess. So you've been, you've been on this boat for a long time. Yeah. Those those guys, they bumped into me the first day I was here, and I was just wondering, points them out, how long have they been crew members? Oh, they're, those guys, those are new. Leo? Yeah, they probably don't even have their sea legs yet. As far as I can tell, they kind of flub about a bit, but they mean well. Do you know where you, where you picked them up? Did I pick them up? I mean, where did they join? Illinois, oh. somewhere else? The same time you did, yeah. Like, Do you know their name? Yeah, the big one's Todd and the small one's Ollie. Ollie's great. A lot of, a lot of IEs on this ship. Yeah. Patty, Ollie, Patty. Well, I mean, my real name's Patrick, but I go with I've Patty. assumed, yeah. They ever seem weird to you? I mean, they're a little, little off, but I don't think that they've worked as many ships as they said they have. Do they mingle with the rest of the crew or do they keep it themselves? You know, there was four or five other hires, I think, around the same time. They kind of keep to themselves. All like all of them keep to a single group. Yeah, that's kind of what we do. We you, you know when you get like a new batch yeah, of yeah, that makes sense. Of folks in a freshman. Kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell them, but we've kind of we put them in a the, the smaller cabins at the bottom. It's a little bit hazing. They'll find out soon enough that there's enough cabins for everybody to have one. Here. I get it. You've never noticed either of them doing anything strange, have you? Strange. I mean. 
like I said, they 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 kind of flub about a little bit. I don't really seem to to know a whole lot about what they're doing, but I wouldn't say it's out of the ordinary. It's just I don't think they've been sailing their whole life. Yeah. Now I don't want to start any rumors or anything like that, but we were talking on on the first day about about a ship disappearing, about pirates. Yeah, how's that going, Professor? Well, I obviously don't have a library here, so I haven't been able to uh, learn anything else. But last night, he leans in. I heard those two talking, and from what they were saying, it kind of sounded like they had some other job on this ship besides being members of this ship. You think they're pirates? I don't know if they're pirates, but I think there's something up. I think you should keep an eye on them. I'm going to keep an eye on them. Okay, Professor. I think the, I think the quiet's getting to you a little bit. Say, have you read this book? He pulls out a, the book on vampires. I'm, I'm done with it. You can borrow it for the next leg of the journey if you want. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks. It's a little spooky, but it's yeah, pretty... that I, I could tell it was spooky. Yeah. By the cover here. The cover is a person with a, with a cape like holding the cape up, swooping down with a very thin crescent moon in the background. It's all black and white letterpress. And then the eyes of the, the person are dotted with red paint. It's one of those picture books. You kind of flips through it. It's got a lot of words. There are a couple of illustrations, though. Oh, okay. I don't think he's ready to confide exactly what he saw mm-hmm. in, in anybody on this crew. Seems wise. Yeah. I think... If all of the crew is currently accounted for, and they're going to be going about their daily business, he might make the mistake of trying to sneak down to these guys' room. Okay. Yeah. And when I say mistake, I mean it. It is not in his wheelhouse at all. Uh, so yeah, I think he puts his his dish where it goes and and uh, excuses himself, saying goodbye to Patty before he leaves. Patty is staring really hard at the first page of this book uh-huh. and he kind of waves you off and uh, I think he's going to head down to the lower crew quarters okay. to see if he can find these small quarters where Ollie and the few other people that were picked up in Elenwick are supposed to be living. Yeah, survival might be a good... I would love the survival I'm trying to think if there's any other skill that kind of is I mean it's probably stealth right? We're being sneaky, but you do have the fact that everybody is working for getting into the dock today. Right. So I think the first one is a survival check to kind of more track where this cabin's going to be. Okay. And you do have a boost from Patty telling you that they put them in a different group than they normally do with the cabins. And that, which was lower, lower down. So there's definitely a moment where James is getting ready to set foot on the first rung of the stairs that he has yet to cross on this boat and head down lower into the ship. He shakes his head because he knows he shouldn't be doing this, but he also knows that something is up and it is in his nature to learn and investigate. What difficulty am I rolling? This is average. I already gave you the boost for Patty, but there's also a setback to it since you haven't been here before. Okay. That is a resounding success. Four successes and one threat. Four successes and one threat. Threat is on the setback. Okay. So I think as James is kind of wandering the narrow corridors of 
cabin rooms, he sees all, some similar doors that are like right outside of his. And most of them are closed as, as he's going down. You, they've got a little porthole that can be covered. Kind of like look in and see what's going on inside. And he gets to kind of a section where the doors are closer together, indicating smaller rooms. And with his personal experience finding near the middle, the, the middle one is the is kind of like slightly ajar. And as you push it, you see six cots arranged around the wall. <laughs> and there's a loud squeak to the door as of course it opens. There is. Yeah. He grits his teeth, opens it as far as he needs to so that he can get in and gets inside. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Foxglove Letters. We hope you've enjoyed the adventure so far and can't wait to see where the story goes. Before we go, we want to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. If you have a question for our players, their characters, a comment on the story, or just want to say hello, drop us a line at diceycantina at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube at diceycantina for behind-the-scenes artwork and world-building. Or if you just prefer to chat, join the Discord. Links to everything are in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform as it helps us grow the show and reach more listeners. The Fox Club Letters is a creation of Dicey Cantina, playing Genesis by Edge Studio. Until next time, dear listeners, don't forget the words of Mr. Cunningham when he said, don't just watch the world pass you by. Reach out and grab the stars.